and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson, and joining me today via Zoom is Evangelist Scott Polly. Scott, welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate the opportunity to be on with you. All right. Now, it's been a while since I've actually seen you face to face. Back years ago, more years than I can remember, uh, <laughs> I was a student at Crown College, and the first person I actually met on campus was Scott Polly. You actually uh, picked me up from the airport along with several other students. And I believe it was uh, the year after you graduated um, in your first year teaching in 96, 97. Yes. Yeah, so, I started serving there in 1997. So uh, that's been, that's been a long time ago, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Again, uh, more years than I'd care to remember. Um, right. But, so uh, I, I had you for uh, two classes that Old Testament survey, I think it was major prophet survey. And uh, now since then, you have, uh, I know you worked there at Temple Baptist Church with Dr. Sexton, and now you're in evangelism. So just tell us a little bit about um, just your call to ministry, how the Lord uh, led you to, to where you're at. Well, I trusted the Lord Jesus as my Savior as a young boy, and uh, thank God for my parents. They... Uh, great Christian people, happy Christians. And so I grew up around folks that truly knew the Lord. When I was just about 12 years of age, just before my 13th birthday, God really dealt with me about yielding my life to him. And uh, it's hard to believe you're talking about going back a long ways. That was 1989. And uh, I remember it like it was yesterday, how God uh, called me and how I yielded myself to him and what the Lord set in motion. And so started serving the Lord in the good providence of God. God led me to Crown College. I had absolutely no idea I was going to spend 23 years of my life there. And it didn't take me that long to graduate, by the way. Uh, but went to school there, uh, met married my wife, and then ended up serving there on staff for almost two decades. And then about uh, a little over five years ago, God really started working in my heart uh, a deeper desire to give myself to the work of the evangelist and uh, to the gospel work and emphasizing revival among God's people. And so that was a, a real transition for me, for my family, but it was a step of faith. I know God led us to take, and it has been an adventure and uh, been exciting following the Lord. I'm very grateful uh, for all that was put into my life and all the experience and opportunity in those early years, but I know I'm doing right now what God's given me to do. And that's that, that issue of revival is what we want to talk about today. So you've written a book a new book, uh, Revival Praying. Yes. And so let's jump into first, what is that concept of revival? Because with some, we, we have different ideas of what that is. As an evangelist, you preach at, I'm sure, a lot of revival meetings. Um, some talk about personal revival or yes. uh, what I would call like an uber revival, like the, the second great awakening, the first great awakening, things like that. So what do we mean by revival? Well, I think there are a couple of misconceptions that have become very common that in some ways have muddied our understanding of what real revival is, what it looks like. One is exactly what you said a moment ago, which is the revival meeting. And I'm for it. Matter of fact, this week I'll be in Texas preaching what they're calling a revival meeting. But you can have a meeting without revival. I don't believe revival is a meeting. I think revival is a movement of the Holy Spirit of God on the hearts of his people. Uh, it is literally a spiritual awakening. You can't organize it, manipulate it, uh, work it up. 
if you do have to work it up, it's flesh and not spirit. I like what G. Campbell Morgan said. He said, uh, you cannot organize a revival, but you can set your sails to catch the wind from heaven when it blows. And I love that because I do believe the Holy Spirit of God moves. I believe the wind of heaven does blow. And I think really the reason we've not seen revival is not for a lack of meetings. It is, matter, matter of fact, we got more of those than you can shake a stick at. Uh, the reason we've not seen revival is because I think of a lack of spiritual preparation on the part of God's people. We don't have our sails up. Um, the, the limit is not on God's power. It's rather on whether we're a prepared people or not. Uh, the other thing that I think is a real misconception is everybody wants to talk about a national revival. Oh Lord, revive America. Well, that, that sounds wonderful, but that's very general. And the temptation is to look at everybody else. I want Washington to get straightened out. I want my neighbors to get right with God. I want lost people to get saved. That really is not the heart and soul of revival. Uh, judgment must begin at the house of God. So I, I truly believe this, and this is the kind of the emphasis of the little book that God led us to write. I believe real revival is always personal. It is always personal. So it begins in an individual. Uh, it's not about a public forum. It's not about the preacher. And I'm convinced real revival is more connected to praying than it is to preaching. So let's, let's, let's dive into it. You, you know, just the word revival itself um, has to begin in God's house and in God's people. You yes. revive what never was. So we're not That's talking right. about, um, we're not, I, I think souls being saved is certainly an outgrowth of revival. Yes. Um, but it's not necessarily revival itself. Revival starts with us. And as, as you mentioned in the book, which you, which you really drill down deep on, is that revival is always personal. Revive, and, and let's start with this, because um, I really love this part of the book. You say that God never, in his word, never tells us to pray for revival. But instead, God has commanded us to pray in order to seek after him. Could you explain that? Well, you know, we make revival out to be a thing. You know, it's an event. It's an experience. It's an emotion. No, revival is God's life. It is the essence of who God is. Uh, that's why I say to people, revival is not hard. And they look at you like you're crazy because they say, well, we're trying and we're working, we're praying. No, no. Revival's not hard. Uh, the same Christ that can stand in a cemetery and say, Lazarus, come forth, can speak one word and change everything. I mean, God can do more a moment than we could in a lifetime of meetings. The hard thing is not revival. The hard thing is us getting in a place where God can do what he wants to do. And I, I'm more deeply convicted than ever that you don't have to convince God to do what God already desires. What you have to do is get yourself in step with his purpose. Uh, for example, every week I, someone says to me, I'll tell you, preacher, we're praying for revival. We're praying for revival. And I understand what they mean by that. And I believe it's very sincere. And I say amen to it. But there is a difference between praying for revival and revival praying. You could ask for something all of your life and never receive it. So I believe there are generations of people who've prayed for revival and have never seen real revival. Why is that? Well, I believe revival praying, which is the emphasis of this book, and I think the emphasis of God's word, is not so much about asking. It is more about agreement. It is about us agreeing with what God has already said 
acknowledging our need, acknowledging his sufficiency. That's really the meaning of the word confess, to say the same thing. Uh, you don't have to beg and plead. You confess. And the moment you confess, God forgives and cleanses. So I think that's at the, the heart of what revival is and where it begins. You know, that's really important. Um, and you know, it's really great because, as you mentioned before, we talk about revival. We think about a national revival. Um, we want things to be changed. We want our government to be changed. We want abortion to be outlawed. We want people back in the church. And that's great. But that's all stuff that's out there. But right. if I'm starting with revival, it starts with me. And something in here needs to change. That's going to lead to a change in my life. And that starts with confession. And in order to confess, I have to first realize to agree with God, to say the same thing. I have to look at my sin. And I have to start changing that. And that, that gets a little too personal. It's painful. It's painful. In the words of the old uh, spiritual, it's not my brother or my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And I think that's the, that's the honesty and humility, the honesty and humility that is always connected to real revival. So you think that's, the, that's one of the reasons why we don't see um, revival on a larger scale in churches, because we're not focusing on our own sin. I believe that's one of the reasons. I think there are a number of roadblocks to revival. I think pride is one of them. Um, pride always hinders God, and the Lord knows the proud far off. So if we want God near, we have to deal with our pride. I think unconfessed, unforsaken sin, you know, spiritual strongholds is one reason. Truthfully, though, and part of my prayer that God would use this book to this end, I think one of the real roadblocks to revival is unbelief. It's, it's the root sin, not just of lost people, but of good saved people. Remember, in Capernaum, Jesus could there do no mighty works because of their unbelief. Uh, I, I'm meeting people everywhere I go that say, well, you know, preacher, I think our country's too far gone. I think the world's in too bad a shape. Uh, everybody's favorite verse to quote is evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. But what they fail to recognize is when God said that the evil would wax worse and worse, he never said his power would wax less and less. I mean, you think about it. When Israel had her worst king, she had her greatest prophet. So when Ahab is on the throne, Elijah's preaching the word of God and getting answers to prayer. Uh, that ought to put fresh faith and hope in us that at the darkest moments in history, God can do miraculous things. And that is what revival praying is all about. I think when we look again, look at the, the, the basic word revival, one of the things necessary for a revival is to have something that needs to be revived. Yes. So we shouldn't be looking at um, outside circumstances or even circumstances in our own life and say, well, we just can't do this. Well, no, um, this is exactly uh, the fertile ground that's needed. When we start with confession and we start agreeing with God, we can start to see God move in great and miraculous ways. Well, if you study history, you discover that the greatest spiritual awakenings always came at the lowest moments. So we're at a pretty low moment right now in our country and in our world. But I think that's a, that's a hopeful thing because when you get to the end of yourself, then you've come to the beginning of what God can do. Um, I do think though, you, you hit on a couple things that are, are things we touch on in the book and things that I have been more convinced of than ever. And one of them is 
we have mistaken revival for two things. Number one, we've mistaken revival for evangelism. That if people are being saved, that's revival. No, revival is the precursor to a gospel advance. A revived people will witness, will reach the lost. A revived church uh, will reflect the glory of God to a lost world. The other thing I think we've confused revival with is we've confused revival with uh, political work uh, and to uh, societal things and even moral reform. It's not the same thing. And I'm afraid sometimes we've made the goal the wrong thing. Uh, I'm afraid sometimes we're praying more for relief than we are revival. Uh, do we really want revival? People say they do. Uh, but when revival comes, you know, revival is not just to keep America prosperous and everybody happy and comfortable. When revival comes, uh, it disrupts our lives. It ends certain things. And it gives God total liberty to do what he wants to do in us. That's, that's real revival. Let's, let's talk about prayer. Um, I've heard it said, in fact, my pastor used to say, if you want to get uh, a Christian convicted, mention his prayer. Yes. And uh, for some, we, we struggle with that. Um, because it is a, a, it's, it's, it's not a public thing. It's, well, I mean, it can be. Um, but it's an intensely personal thing when you alone with the Holy Spirit of God. And um, there are people who get nervous about that. I don't know because I, I don't, I can't say big words and I can't use flowery speech. How do I know God's listening to me? Um, what, what are some simple steps here that, that Christian can to, to improve their prayer life and to get that? Because with, without a prayer life, you're not going to have a relationship with God. Uh, you can have a head knowledge of God, and you can have a intellectual knowledge of God, but until you focus in, in, the, in the prayer closet, you're not going to have that relationship with God, which is necessary for any sort of revival. Or Absolutely. Any well, let me go back to where you started. I'm convicted about the matter of prayer. And let me just hastily say, I didn't write this book because I feel like I'm an authority on it. I wrote it because I'm under conviction about it. I wrote it out of the overflow of what God has been doing in my life over the last few months. I've been so deeply convicted about my own failure in the matter of prayer. And I want that to change. But all I can, all I can do is tell you what God is teaching me at this moment. Um, I think far too often, even our idea of prayer is wrong. You know, it is more of a religious speech. It is, you know, something we say uh, instead of a real conversation with God himself. You know, you and I are having a, a meaningful conversation right now in part because you're speaking to me, then I'm responding, then I may make a comment, you feed off of that. It's back and forth. It's a dialogue, uh, not a monologue. I believe that's how we must come to God. See, I believe that the word and prayer are inseparably linked. And I think we do a great disservice when we separate Bible reading and prayer. I think it shouldn't be the two. It should be one. It should be a back and forth communication. So the little book that we're discussing today on revival praying follows that template, that pattern. In it, we take a actual portion of scripture, a prayer from Ezra chapter 9, and we use that as a pattern for revival praying. That's not the only place you can do that, though. Uh, yesterday, I was, I was in a meeting 
um, online with a number of pastors from several states, and I took a different prayer. I took a, the little prayer of Habakkuk in Habakkuk chapter 3, and we made that our prayer. Uh, I think one of the most revolutionary things anybody ever taught me about prayer is that God's Word is the great prayer book. It doesn't just teach you how to pray. It is literally where you begin to pray. So devotionally, what I do, I did it this morning. Uh, this morning I was in, of all things, I was in the book of Zephaniah. Somebody says, is that in the Bible? Yes, that's in the Bible. Is there anything in Zephaniah for me? Absolutely there is. All scriptures give my inspiration of God and is profitable. So you know what I did in Zephaniah this morning, three little chapters long? I literally just prayed my way through it. I, I came to a verse and God arrested my attention. I just stopped and talked to God about that verse. I talked to God about his attributes in that passage. I talked to God about what God convicted me of there. Uh, and in doing so, it became a back and forth. I'm talking to God about what God's talking to me about. And all the folks who are listening right now, I would recommend this pattern to you. Don't just read your Bible, pray your way through the Bible. And don't just try to say prayers. Instead, literally talk to God about what you're reading in Scripture. Uh, you're on good ground there. It'll increase your faith. It'll lend substance to your prayers. And you can always know you're praying in the will of God because you're praying in His Word. We had, uh, years ago, our church uh, decided to do a, a Wednesday night prayer meeting where all we did, we read through certain scriptures. We, we, had a, we worked our way through a book. And we would read a passage and stop. And we discuss what this passage said. Okay, now we are going to pray for our church based on what we just read. And then right. we pray, we read a little more, and we do that same thing for you know, for an hour or so. And it really was a conversation with God. And it was it was God informing us what he wants us as a church to do. And it was a, a remarkable time. And it was just reading through and praying through scripture. It's, it's wonderful. wonderful. It makes the Bible come alive too, doesn't it? Right. Oh, it certainly does. It, it reinforces the fact that God's word is living and active among us. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the essence of it is we're talking to the author. Right. And that's wonderful. You get, you get the heart of the author. You get the spirit of the author when you're talking to him. And uh, I, I think this is one of the things that every believer can do that is so simple which is simply meet God in his word and look at prayer as our response to God's revelation. So everything begins with God. I like what Spurgeon said. Spurgeon said the prayers that God answers are the ones that begin with him. Well, that's a fascinating thought. In other words, it goes full circle back to where we started with this conversation. We're just agreeing with God. I'm not trying to get what I want done by God. Instead, I'm trying to say, all right, Lord, whatever you want, that's what I want. Now, help me find your mind. I think Romans chapter 8, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He, he helps align our prayers uh, to God's perfect will. I, I truly love, absolutely love the, the concept. We even made it the um, subtitle for the book. We subtitled this little book, Revival Praying, Connecting Our Prayers to God's Purpose. The purpose is not mine. The purpose is His. And when you can identify his purpose and get in step with it, it's what walking in the spirit means, you know? All right. Well, the book, again, is Revival Praying. It's a really small book. It's about 80 pages or so. I, I, I read it in just two sittings. It's, it's a quick read, but it's a, it's a good read, and it, it's worth your time. It goes, if you've ever heard Brother Scott preach, you know 
he is uh, an in-depth Bible teacher. That's one of the things I appreciate even by your classes. In fact, I still use some of your notes in my classes today. Um, I don't give you credit for it, but I still do it. Hey, um, there's, no, there's no new thing under the sun, and those notes came from people that I listened to and read after. So that's good. I'm glad it goes on. And, and you can get this book free on Amazon. We're going to give you the link. I'll also give you the link to where you can buy a hard copy. But Scott, how do you, how do you hope people use this book? Oh, that's a great question because, you know, this book is not meant to be read. It is meant to be used. And it was written that way. It's interactive. What I'm hoping, a couple things. First of all, I'm hoping that people will be led to prayer by it. You know, there's some books in my library that when I read them, I can't read much. Uh, I have to read a page or two and I have to stop and pray. Like when I read uh, Chalmers on prayer or the Holy Spirit, I can't go far, you know, because God is just working me over. Well, I'm praying that people as they walk through this book will pause throughout and pray. In fact, we built into the book itself certain sections where you stop, reflect on this, and have a season of prayer. The part I didn't like about the book was I was reading a great chapter on confession, and then you actually wanted me to confess my sins right after. I see that tongue in cheek. Well, that I'm tell you, you know, that's where it gets very, very difficult. You know, it's one thing to read about it and even take notes and underline and nod your head and say, yes, I believe that. And it is quite another thing to put it into action. That's where you go from hearers to doers. But that's one of the ways this book has been designed to be interactive, if you will. Uh, the second way that I hope people will use it is I hope they will teach it. You know, uh, you just said something about taking things you heard taught and teaching it to others. That's the second Timothy two, two principle able to teach others. Also, that's the way we were both trained and it is what I hope people will do with the content in this book. I hope they'll pass it on. Uh, it's been designed to use with Sunday schools, small group, Bible studies, a Wednesday night prayer group, um, your family, a youth group. In fact, just this week we completed the accompanying student guide. So the, the book itself, and you're right, the, the digital version is 80 some pages, I think. Some of that depends on what size your font is. The little hardback book that we printed is about 120 pages. Um, the uh, student guide will be about 40 pages. And the interesting thing about the student guide is it's not just a rehash of the book. It has supplementary material in it. It has a prayer journal. It has a number of prayer resources that are not in the book itself. So it's a, it's a companion and those will be available shortly. And I'm hoping people will take that and will use it then to, to teach the same truth to others. And you're also working in audio for your students. That's correct. Uh, in fact, earlier this week, uh, we were in the studio and finished the recording of the audio book for revival praying, and that'll be available shortly as well. All right. Well, we're wrapping up the, you normally wrap up the program with recommended resources. Of course, our recommended resource this week is revival praying by Daniel Scott and Holly. We'll have links for that. But Scott, you also have a podcast of your own. Tell us a little bit about enjoying the journey. Well, about um, three years ago, someone from China said to me, have you ever thought about doing a daily podcast? And I said, no, what's a podcast? (laughs) That's terrible to say, but I just wasn't uh, into podcasting. And they explained it to me and explained why it would be a benefit to different parts of the world. And so God in his providence just led us. We started and uh, the podcast has grown. We're very grateful. It's just, uh, we're a little over a million downloads now. It's 10 minutes a day, five days a week. And um, I, I love the emphasis of the fact, I know I'm going to enjoy heaven and I'm going to enjoy the destination, but I want to enjoy the journey. How do you do that? 
by walking with Christ and journeying through the Word of God. Right now we're walking through the Psalms, but there are hundreds of episodes, different sections of the Bible and Bible characters. And uh, I'd be very grateful for folks to join us. You can find it on any podcast platform and also it and the book uh, you can find on our, on our ministry website. We'll have a link to that as well. I encourage you to listen to the podcast after you're up to date on the basic Bible podcast. Exactly. Of course. Uh, but no, we're not competitors. And that's just, you know, for co-laborers and anything else. That's we're right. Really appreciative of, of your work, uh, brother Scott and all that you do. And so we want to thank you for joining us this week. Join us next week. In fact, we're going to have, uh, so we're going to have a mutual friend on our podcast next week. Uh, Pastor Joe Marshall out in uh, Australia. I know you've been there. Yes, uh, I've been there to preach for him. Great friend. And Joe's going to be on our podcast next week talking about his ministry there. So don't, uh, you don't want to miss that. So until next time, join us. Uh, don't forget to check out our website at www.basicbiblepodcast.org. We're going to have all those links that we mentioned in our resources page. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter at Basic Bible Cast. Same thing on Instagram. So until next week, have a great rest of your week. 